Well, I want to introduce to you Rick Warnick. Rick Warnick is one of our elders here at Mid-Cities. He has been an elder for a number of years. Matter of fact, they've been at Mid-Cities, he and his wife Tanya, for 32 years. They've been married for 54 years. They have three adult children, six grandchildren, six great-grandchildren, an incredible family. He served uh, our nation uh, in the Naval Reserves and after that uh, in the Marine Corps. Uh, he is a, a man who has such high integrity and character. Uh, when we gather together to pray for you, for our church, for Mid-Cities, um, he has a compassion for the people that God has gathered here in this church. And I've asked him to come and share just whatever is on his heart uh, with you, from the pew to you. And I think you're gonna be incredibly blessed. Uh, I remember years ago uh, when I was 26 years old and I became the pastor at Mid-Cities. Before it was announced to everybody else, I had a conversation on the phone with Rick Warnick. And Rick was serving as an elder at the time. And the humility and the support that came across that phone line left me in tears. His humility and support and love for God makes me feel the same way today. And I know you're going to love him. From the pew to you, here's Rick Warnick. Thank you, church. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. He is good. Uh, I, you, you never want to correct your pastor, but I need to make one correction. Um, I was in the Marine Corps first. Then I was in the Navy. Uh, my wife refers to me sometimes as a jarhead squid. So uh, I want to talk to you about God's faithfulness. God has been faithful to us all of our life. Even before we were married, he was faithful. He's been faithful to you all of your lives, even if you don't feel like he has. He has, I promise. God saved me as a child. And, and as we talk about God's faithfulness, please, as I'm telling you and sharing you uh, God's faithfulness in my life, think about how he's been faithful in yours. I was saved when I was six or seven years old. And what that means is I made a profession of faith in Christ when I was six or seven years old. I'm thankful that God got hold of me at an early age. My grandmother Warnick was very um, helpful. She was a great influence in my life. She read Bible stories to me. She prayed with me. She told me about Jesus. And as a child, I felt convicted by the Holy Spirit that I needed a Savior. And with my childlike understanding, I came to him. And I was saved. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but so that the world might be saved through him. The one who believes in him is not judged. The one who does not believe has been judged already because he's not believed on the name of the only Son of God. You know, we read that verse, and, and we read the first part of it, God so loved the world, but we rarely read or think about the second part. First part is if you are born again, if, if you made a, a statement of faith or, and have believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not judged. But there is no middle ground. There is no gray area. If you're not born again, you're judged already. And so I, that's one of the things I want to speak to this morning. But there's always hope. It's never too late until it's too late. At 18, I was in a really bad car accident. 
there was a fatality, and God saved me through that. He healed me. He healed my body. He healed me emotionally from the trauma of that accident. When I was a little later on that year, at 18 again, I enlisted in the Marine Corps. I served for three years in the Marines, 1966 to 1969 active duty, and then to 72 as part of the reserves. But 20 months of that, I was in Vietnam. And God saved me there. He saved my life. I was not injured uh, from hostile action. I didn't get a scratch on my body, praise God. But he also saved me emotionally. He healed me from that trauma as well. Um, that war changes people. It does things to their minds. And, and those of you that have been there know what I'm talking about. Um, but during that time, when I came home on leave from Vietnam the first time, I met an 18-year-old girl. Uh, we had like six, six uh, days before I went back to Vietnam. We had, what, three dates. And, and I asked her if she'd write to me. And uh, I didn't tell her that I loved her, but I loved her already. First time I saw her, I loved her. And she said she would write to me. So we began to correspond, and I proposed by mail. She accepted by mail. And then she says she's a mail-order bride. So, <laughs> but I have a godly wife, a helpmate, a best friend. Proverbs 31 says, A wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Many women do noble things, but you, Tanya Warnick, surpass them all. Jesus baptized me in the Holy Spirit, God's faithfulness to me, when I was probably 22, 23 years old. We were attending a small Baptist church in Lubbock, Texas. It was preaching against glossolalia during this time of my life when the Holy Spirit was doing a work in me. Now, glossolalia has to do with speaking in tongues or unknown language. So um, one night as I prayed, it was my habit to pray after Tanya and our children went to bed. And as I kneeled down and I began to pray, um, uh, I prayed Luke 11. Uh, let me start in verse 9. So I pray to you. So I say to you, I'm sorry. So I say to you and ask, uh, and ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Now, which one of you fathers will his son ask for a fish, and instead of a fish, he will give him a snake? Or he will even ask for an egg, and his father will give him a scorpion? So if you, dis you despite being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will you Will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And that's what I prayed that night. I said, Father, if I, being evil, know how to give good gifts to my children, how much more? Lord, would you give me the Holy Spirit, all of the Holy Spirit you'll give me? He did. Immediately, Jesus baptized me in the Holy Spirit. I felt power come into my body. And as it came back out, I was speaking in a language I'd never heard before. Had never heard anyone do that before. And it, kind of, it scared me a little bit. I wasn't sure what was going on because that was actually kind of being preached against where we were going to church. But what happened is God empowered me. The, the prayer language is a wonderful thing, but the manifestation of the, baptism of the uh, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, I believe, is the power to go and share the gospel. God empowered me. I, I fell in love with the Word of God. Uh, I wanted to tell people about Jesus and how excited we were.
that Tanya had gotten saved at 18, shortly after we were married, on Halloween night. That was another God's faithfulness to us. That, that began a walk that we had together, that we have to this day. So in Acts uh, 1, verse 6, so when they had come together, they began asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time that you're, that you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? But he said to them, it is not for you to know periods of time or appointed times which the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and as far as the remotest parts of the earth. Well, guys, West Texas is a pretty remote part of the earth. But God gave me the ability and the desire to want to tell people about Jesus in West Texas and wherever I went. And we've had some really interesting, wonderful events happen all over the place with just telling people about Jesus and seeing souls get saved, reconciled to God. What is the gospel? The good news. Uh, The Apostle Paul defines the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Now I make known to you, brothers and sisters... The gospel which I preached to you, which you also received, in which you also stand, by which you also are saved, if you hold firmly to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I handed down to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures." What scriptures is Paul talking about? Because there was no New Testament when he wrote this. He's talking about the writings of Moses and of the prophets. There are hundreds of prophecies concerning the first coming of Jesus that tell of his virgin birth, that tell of his ministry, that tell of his death on the cross, and that tell of his resurrection. And all of those were fulfilled exactly as they were prophesied. There are hundreds, over 2,000, that refer to Jesus' second coming. And those are being fulfilled one after the other exactly as they were prophesied. And and, and it's it's in my heart, and I believe that we are, are in those last days prior to his second coming. But he's going to come for his church one of these days. He's going to come and snatch us away his bride, and take us to be with heaven, uh, to be in heaven with him forever and ever. You know, Jesus gave his disciples a mandate, and, and all of us who have believed in him, who have placed faith and trust in Jesus, are his disciples. And this is what he told them in Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Those of us who have believed and placed our faith and trust in Jesus have been given that promise. He's with us always to the end of the age. But the the mandate is, is that we go, and as we go, we make disciples. Well, that's not just specific individuals that he gave that mandate to. He gave them to his disciples. If we're born again, we're his disciples. So that mandate is also for us. We are to go, every one of us, give an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those around us. Time is getting short. People need to hear the good news. You know, as I was putting this together, 
uh, I was thinking about who would be here. And I know that there are some here, perhaps this is the first time you've ever been here. We're glad you're here. They're, they're, you were invited by a friend, and, and you've, you've come to get that friend off your back to fulfill that obligation. Some of you came. You don't, you don't know why. You just you came. You weren't invited. You just showed up here this morning. Well, for all of you, this is a divine appointment. You're here because God wanted you to be here, because he wants you to know how very, very much he loves you and cares for you. He wants you to be a part of his life. Maybe you've been coming to church for a long time, but you've never made that commitment to Christ, never called upon his name for the forgiveness of sin. You see, we're saved by grace through faith. It's not something we do ourselves. It's a gift of God. If we did it ourselves, why did Jesus have to come and die for us? So by being good, we can't get saved. There's only one way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So what I want to do, I want to invite you, if you've never called upon the name of Jesus for forgiveness of sin, to do that with me right now. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and pray with me if you've never done that. God, I come to you as a sinner this morning. I know that I'm sin- I've sinned. I know I'm lost. I know I don't deserve heaven. I know I don't deserve forgiveness, but your son, Jesus, came and died on a cross for my sins. And God, I ask you in the name of Jesus to forgive my sin. God, I ask you to write my name in the Lamb's book of life. I ask you to wash my sin away with the blood of your precious son. I turn to you with all of my heart and I say, I cry out, God, forgive me in Jesus' name. Now, if you, just, if you did that, you are born again. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And as we, as we finish up here in just a few minutes, or as I finish up, at the end of the service, there's going to be an invitation for you to come up and, and to be prayed for. And if you committed your heart to Jesus within these last few minutes, if you cried out to him and said, Lord, I want to be, I want to be saved, I want to be forgiven, I want to be in your family, Jesus loves you. He wants you to be in his family. But come up here and tell us. There's a next step. You need to be baptized. So if you've prayed and asked for forgiveness and have become born again today, please come up, tell us what you've done, and let us pray for you and bless you. And I so appreciate all of you for sharing your lives with me this morning as I've shared God's faithfulness with you and, and to remind you of how faithful God has been to you all the days of your lives, whether you've trusted him or not, he's been faithful to you. And I give glory to God. Father, I thank you for this people, for my brothers and sisters. Lord, I bless them and ask for your blessing on each one. Help us, Father, to do those things that bring glory and honor to the name of Jesus, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.